0: Today's podcast was recorded over in the Wisdom community where you can find us at wisdom.app forward slash Bryden Farm. It's a great place to seek wisdom, share wisdom, ask and get answers to your questions, and free to join over on the Wisdom app. Hi everyone, it's uh, Brian here from Bryden Farm, Bryden Farm Podcasting. Uh, You can find our website at com. And today, uh, starting out Well, actually the 2nd now, the 2nd of January, 2023. How crazy is that? Uh, It doesn't seem like it was that long ago and we were sitting and thinking about Y2K. (laughs) And uh, actually, not just the virus, but for those of us who were born perhaps a few decades ago, moving from the 1900s to 2000s and wondering what that was about. Here we are pretty near a quarter of the way through the first century of the 2000s. So it's just a little bit of craziness and uh, good crazy, good crazy. Um, You know, most things today are good. Uh, We've been through a lot in the last couple of years. Um, not just here in Nova Scotia, where, uh, our homesteading farm is, but, uh, around the globe. And, uh, that's kind of why I like wisdom is it allows us to, I'm going to say reach people around the globe, but it's not the reach. It's the sharing, the caring, um, helping support each other in our passions and yesterday, I believe, no, day before, uh, I was visiting a friend, and her son, uh, without knowing it, need to let him know, kind of inspired me, and one of the things that he inspired me about was something that's been on my mind for a long while, but. You know, we can think about something, and if we never do anything about it, it's just kind of a passing thought. Although I do think that people, a number of people, get similar thoughts, um, that they come from a higher power uh, creator, great architect of the universe, God, as I like to call him. But uh, universal law, universal consciousness, um, believe that that brings thoughts into more than just one head. Um, and I do know that within the homesteading, farming, especially small firm community, uh, within the regenerative farming uh, folk and those who are trying to give the best possible care to their critters, their livestock, their goats, pigs, chickens, ducks, rabbits, things like that we have here at Bryden Farm, and still try to become not just self-sufficient, but perhaps earn an income from homesteading and farming on a small scale and yet not have to go out and work an off-farm or off-homestead job, but to become self-sufficient. And one of the things that I think back on, I also belong to and have become successful with a home-based business out of Winona, Minnesota. I won't mention it here because that's not what this podcast is about. But I remember when I got started with that back in 2009, or shortly thereafter, I wanted to go and attend a farmer's market. And I'm not really meaning to knock farmer's markets they're great, uh, although I do think a more inclusive a market is, the more successful it generally is, especially um, if it is a market that's not government-funded and I'm not really against governments giving some money to community projects like markets. Um, but back then, I remember wanting to take the product that I was selling, and go to a farmer's market. And the particular market that I was looking at going to wouldn't allow it because they would only allow things that were produced by farmers on the farm. So no off-firm, say no home care or personal care or anything that was created off-farm. And so my feedback to the market organizer was, well, you know, a lot of the small farmers, small homesteaders, operators in our local area here in Nova Scotia as well as other places have to go off-farm or get a second income or income stream in order to, support the farming activities because there's so many regulations. Well, in 2020, uh, my partner and I moved back to Nova Scotia, my home province, uh, to Bear River, Nova Scotia. And we bought a property and started Bryden Farm um, here on the banks of the west branch of the river overlooking the head of the tide. A little bit about Bear River. Bear River is a tidal river. Um, It uh, was settled by sea captains. I I like to say it was settled by sea captains, infiltrated by hippies, and has been taken over by artisans. Um, We have probably per capita, it's only a small community of a few hundred, but by per capita we probably have one of the highest per capita artist residencies of most any place. And in the last two years, um, because of what we've all come through, um, a lot of people have moved here from away and are welcomed. And a lot of them have started small firms or homesteads. And again, finding challenges. Now, my challenge today would be to go to probably the same market, but be able to, for example, take eggs. Um, One of the frustrations is that we, as homesteaders or as farmers, even small business people, is knowing determining understanding interpreting the laws and regulations around such things Um, i know that in order to go to many markets you with eggs say you have to have a permit and really in a lot of senses I think that government permits are, whether it's related to farming or or other, especially small enterprises, or in some cases even big enterprises, that permits and licenses are really just another form of taxation. And so does it really matter if eggs produced on a farm and sold at a market or sold off farm, does it really matter if they are graded according to size? Because that becomes one of the determining factors, one of the largest determining factors in getting a permit to sell eggs. Um, Some of the frustration lies in we... Humanly as possible raise pigs um, seasonally getting piglets in the spring, raising them to a about 250 pounds um, lightweight or on the hoof, and that usually takes about nine months for the Berkshire pigs that we raise. We don't raise them in a barn. We don't raise them in a cage or in a pen. We actually have our pigs out on our woodland pasture where they are getting moved at least every two weeks. And the reason we do that is to keep ahead of the parasites. But the other thing is we also do that because we, and and we quite honestly, we usually move them about every five to 12 days. And so they are getting fresh pasture, uh, fresh salad bar, so to speak. And, we raise them in woodland and or grass pastures. And we can go out there and quite often see their little tails just a spinning. They're like a dog when they're happy their tails go and they're romping and chomping and enjoying life. Um we give them the best life possible for as long as possible. And I say that we feed them and in turn they feed us. This winter, we're actually keeping overwintering some piglets. The last two years, we bought uh, piglets in the spring and had them go to freezer camp, so to speak, in the fall, and. I said we're overwintering piglets. We're not. We're overwintering pigs. Uh, uh, We have one sow who we believe is bred, and they'll be having piglets in the spring. So the situation is here, at least in Nova Scotia, and I know that there's similar situations in other places, that we're, we're told because you ask other farmers, you ask other homesteaders, asking government is not always easy because a lot of times they're too busy or out of reach. So we can sell pork by the side. Some say that we can sell pork by the side, but we can't sell commercial cuts. So I can sell you a side of pork, but I can't sell you uh, pork chop, for instance. And then there are other people who say, oh no, you can sell pork jobs, but it has to be farm gate, which is terminology. Uh, farm gate, some interpret as someone coming and buying it on the farm, at the farm. And then there are others who say, oh no, farm gate means, and in fact, I've read this in some government, or on some government. Websites' the definition of Farmgate means that, as long as you are not reselling it, then I can sell it to you. The frustration comes in not having to meet these regulations necessarily, but it's in knowing what regulations there are and getting a proper interpretation of that so that we can act within the law to provide things like pork and eggs and milk. Um, I'm approached regularly by people who want to buy goat milk, raw goat milk from us. And the same thing applies to other milk and especially raw milk. Um, to the point where things regulated by the dairy board um, see farmers who feed, raise, care for, look after in milk their cattle, for example, who are not allowed to drink the milk from their own cattle that everything is regulated to the point where every drop has to be accounted for. And in many cases, if they produce more milk than what their quota allows, that milk is required to be dumped. Now, we have people across Nova Scotia, across Canada, across the United States, across the world who are going hungry, and we're dumping things like milk so it's it's sad it's frustrating and for a number of years i know that there's been people who you know look at farmers markets with frustration as i've started the talk and i'm not trying to knock the farmers market it's just kind of a way of giving an example um, of a situation and how we best deal with that. So for a number of years, the producer, the homesteader, the small farmer has tried lots of times in frustration to provide the meat, the eggs, the milk, the other products, uh, produce, vegetables um, for or would-be customers, but are extremely limited in what we can do, lots of times trying to fly under the radar, um, so to speak, to live, work, and manage within Mm -hmm. the laws and regulations of the areas that we live and work in, but yet not even being able to get clear, concise answer as to what those laws and regulations are. So just in the last, actually, not exactly true. I've been thinking somewhat along the lines for a while, but especially in the last 24 to 48 hours, heavy on my heart is that we as farmers and homesteaders Maybe putting the cart before the horse, so to speak. I don't think that the farmers and homesteaders are going to be able to make a difference in the regulations and in what we can do or not do. And the reason I say that is that even though there's a growing number, um, across Canada, across the United States and perhaps in other places uh, for homesteading and small farming and self-sufficiency, I think that's one of the good things that has come out of the last couple of years, uh, is is a real movement towards self-sufficiency. Rather than the producers being the ones to Help implement the change. I believe that we need to help, but I believe it's the consumer that needs to be more proactive in what's available. Another thing at the farmers' market um, for a number of years here locally, um, a person cannot make and sell uh, lemon meringue pie at a market because of the Department of Health regulations, which state basically that they can't have meringue pies because it's egg based and in a market situation or in a public forum exhibition, Christmas craft show, bake sale, um, the meringue may go bad. Well, if it's properly handled, then that meringue, whether it is regulated or not, the regulation is not going to make it safer. And as a consumer, should I not have the right, should I not be able to go to a market and buy, make my own decision whether or not I want to buy your pie. Uh, another one that I find really silly is um, if you have a hot dog cart, then you could set up at a market. But if you are just frying hot dogs in a pan, then you you can't go to a market and do that because in the frying pan that hot dog may not get done properly well not a real proactive uh, spokesperson for eating hot dogs but if i want to eat a hot dog and it's cooked in boiling water or steamed or in a frying pan as long as it's done what does it matter Should I not be able to have the choice as a consumer and take the responsibility for my own purchases for what I want to buy? Not only at a farmer's market, but go buy from a neighborhood farm. Should I not be able to get fresh eggs? From a farm or at a market or, or anywhere else, unless they have been graded by size, have been chemically treated, have been on a store shelf or in storage or in the moving through that chain of the supply chain for thirty to sixty days before I can get them on my table. And yes, that's or no, that's not an exaggeration. Um, Fresh eggs that you're buying in the store are considered fresh eggs if when they're 30 days old. Break that egg into a frying pan and it runs, it just separates. A lot of people don't know that a fresh egg, when you break that into a frying pan, it doesn't run, it sits there and that. beautiful golden yolk uh, holds together. If you're breaking eggs into a frying pan and and they're just, you know, kind of spreading out in the frying pan, that's because it's old. And if you're buying them in a store, then they have been chemically treated um, to last longer. Well, I can tell you that when that chicken lays the egg, she's a pretty smart gal because there's a protective coating on that egg. And we actually have people who prefer to buy eggs unwashed because it allows that protective coating to keep that egg fresher for longer. And we seldom have eggs that are over two or three days old. But those eggs unwashed, uh, I know people who have eaten them i i I wouldn't but i know people who have eaten them without problem when those eggs are much older um months older which i wouldn't do personally but that protective coating is part of the natural process and if i want to be able to or if you want to be able to go and buy a farm fresh egg or a pork chop, or a beef patty, or a duck, or a chicken, or anything else, shouldn't you and I, as consumers, be able to buy that, whatever that is, without it being under a permit or a regulation that limits the producer And in the case of raw milk, uh, in many places, including here in Nova Scotia, prohibits us as producers from selling raw milk to a consumer. Or, as I say, sadly, prohibits a farmer under milk quota, in many cases, from even drinking their own milk. The uh, regulations are good. Don't get me wrong. A certain amount of government control and balance and regulations are good. Clarity as to what those regulations are. And bringing back the buyer beware, and not in a negative way, but in a positive way. Having choice as consumers as to what we are doing what we are buying what we're allowed to buy and most of us um, i'm assuming so forgive me if you're in a place that that's not the case but most of us live in free countries Um, i'd go as far as saying probably if we're on here and i stand to be corrected in that but most of us probably live in free democratic countries where we have the right and responsibility of helping to establish government implement and control the controls and as consumers I believe, have more choice in what we are allowed to do, what we're allowed to buy, the meat, eggs, milk, and and et cetera. I would welcome anybody. I see there's a few people who are listening. I'd welcome anybody who has an opinion on this. Uh, Honestly, one way or the other, I won't get into an argument, but one way or the other to... uh, Join the conversation here. Um, I've rambled on and have expressed my opinion. If there's are others out there who have an opinion, um, how do you feel about the things that I've been talking about? Would you like more choice in where you buy your meat, eggs, milk, and and other things? Um, where do you buy? Are you in the country? Are you in the city? Do you buy from a farmer's market? Do you buy at the retail store level? Uh, what's your experience been? We'd love to hear from you and know your opinions and comments and feedback. The uh, It would uh, make it nicer for the others listening i'm sure um to hear from perhaps someone other than just me the uh, although i can see that this is going to be my passion in the upcoming year and perhaps beyond i think it's time to mobilize the consumer demand and not just necessarily, in relation to food, but to take on the responsibility of being an active part. And I don't mean an elected official, but take on an active part, especially if we are living in a, a free democratic society, um, to to accept the responsibility of being an active member in that society and helping to proactively determine um, our choices. And living in that society, a free democratic society, I believe it's part of our responsibility to address things like this um, choice. What choices we have, and the things that we should be able to do. <laughs> I'm being paged by one of my bosses. I'm saying that a little tongue in cheek. Uh, it's early morning here. It's uh, probably started this talk at about six thirty a.m. Atlantic time, and here in the house we have two dogs and three cats, which most all of them go out. Uh, One cat we have is over 18 years old, and she prefers not to go out. But the others all go out. And when I say that one of my bosses is aging me, um, our one of our dogs, Holly, is at the door whining because she wants to go out. So I'm walking over to let her out. I can tell you the nice, cool but refreshing breeze as I open the door. Feeling that on my cheek is nice. Living here in Bear River, Nova Scotia, at Bryden Farm property that we bought back in August of 2020. It's 22 beautiful acres of mixed woodland on the hillside, overlooking the head of the tide on the west branch of Bear River, and we, when we moved here two years ago, it was pretty much all hardwoods, and we have taken our goats and pigs, and we do rotational pasturing, and we put the goats in a section depending on the number of goats of course, but we say a thousand to fifteen hundred square feet. That's what we started with the first year. And we'd put the goats in, and goats will trim everything from the knee up. And then move them. Goats need to be moved at least every thirty days. Quite often now we're moving our goats every five to twelve days. So they're getting a uh, fresh salad bar so to speak, fresh pasture, um, woodland or or grassland or a combination. They're getting that on a frequent regular basis and so that they're not being kept in feedlots and or places where they're being caged or limited in that respect. And then we move the goats over to the next pasture, and then we introduce the pigs following the goats. And pigs will do everything from the knee down, including the underground where they get roots and insects. Uh, Pigs are omnivores, so they eat both plant and non plant um, goodies, and they. Have uh, someone just sent a question and said, "Have a wonderful day and join the podcast." Thank you. <laughs> the uh, um, the pigs till up the earth. Um, they bring even bring up the rocks. That's what I was trying to say. People think pigs are dirty. Pigs are not dirty. You know that pigs actually choose a corner of the pasture that they use as their toilet. So their droppings are kept in one area so that they're not defecating in the same area that they're sleeping or eating. Uh, They're very fastidious, very smart animals. And so then we rotate the pigs at least every two weeks. Again, uh, we're beginning to move them and have uh, for some time now, move them about every five to twelve days, and following that, we bring our chicken tractors, which is just really a mobile, um, a mobile cage. I'll say, um, a suitable size for a limited number of chickens or we also have rabbit tractors and the same idea. So it's, it's a movable enclosure, and we move them daily so that they're getting on new ground, having a fresh salad bar every day. And, of course, in the winter, in our northern climate, uh, we don't get to do that as often as we like. But on days that they are... That the temperature permits it, um, they are out. In fact, our own flock of chickens um, are totally free range, and I think that's probably a topic for another podcast. But free range eggs—if you buy free range eggs, what are you actually buying? What what does that term free range mean? Well, I can tell you that we. Buy, it's going to be a, a rough way of putting it, but we buy secondhand chickens <laughs> that are about a year old that have been raised in free range operations here in Nova Scotia's Annapolis Valley, and we resell those chickens. And I have come to discover I thought free range was like our own flock of chickens here, that they sleep in a coop and they're closed up at night to help protect them from predators. But we let them out during the day, and they run over the property. Um, Chicken only usually go about 100 to 300 feet away from its coop, but they hear our own flock of chickens. They have free run of the property, and so they're out picking and scratching and getting bugs and enjoying their lives on a daily basis and producing wonderful firm, fresh eggs. The, um, but free range, free range means. So if you're buying free range eggs, what it means is not that, um, we look at that now as organic, although we're not, certified organic free range simply means that the chicken that laid the free range egg is not confined in a cage sadly it may be confined inside a building and never see the light of day as long as it's not in a cage it's considered free range now we source from a few different Free range operations for the hens that we bring in to resell, and they are, in most cases, intensively farmed. Even in free range operations, the uh, again, I said, I think this is probably a topic for another discussion. But just so that you know, um, there are things like that again to be aware of, and things like that that perhaps need clarification when it comes to the laws and regulations because i'm sure that most people when they think of a free-range egg or a free-range chicken picture it out on somebody's farm or backyard or out enjoying its picking and scratching under the sun well that's not what free-range means and as far as organic goes Uh, There was one time when, for example, an organic vegetable needed to be grown in order to be classed as organic. It needed to be grown on a farm in soil that had no chemicals applied to it in five years. Well, that definition has changed over time and not necessarily for the better. And perhaps another topic for another podcast will be the term natural. So natural, if you buy something that has natural ingredients, let's say that we are not necessarily ethical, but we want to operate within the law. We can create let's say a hand cream, that has legally the label which reads contains natural ingredients. Well, there is no regulation on the term natural, which means that as long as we put in, let's say, water or an ingredient or two that is natural, then we can label that product as contains natural ingredients. And so I'm not saying that we don't need regulations and laws and governments. We do. But we, the people, need to take the responsibility that is ours, especially if we're living in a free democratic society, of controlling those laws and regulations so that they make sense. I think that's the real bottom line. Clarity with laws and regulations created for and by the people that make sense, that are easy to understand and that allow us as consumers the choice that we want to take upon ourselves, the buyer beware, in a good way, to decide where we all buy our meat, eggs and milk. And I believe when we do that as consumers, we can make the changes influence the government, the laws, the regulations. And I believe that the farmers and the homesteaders have been trying to do that. But are small in number? I mean, simply put, uh, I don't know what the magic number is, but it takes 10 or 100 or maybe a 1,000 or more consumers to support a firm, depending on the size of the firm. Well, if the firm or the farmer is the one, the only one, trying to make a difference in what's available or what we can buy or sell, then it's a small group of people trying to make the influence. But if the 1,000, 100, or 1,000 consumers begin to make their demands and wishes known in the right place, then perhaps we can come up with more sensible laws and regulations with a clarity for the producer to understand, allowing the consumer to make an informed decision, and yet allowing us as consumers to buy what we want when we want it and perhaps that better ensuring that we don't face food shortages that we don't have to go into a supermarket and look at bare shelves which we all know has happened in various areas over the last couple of years buying more local if it be our choice, and having the choice as to what to buy. So if there is anybody who has an opinion, who would like to provide feedback or suggestions, um, please join me as a guest. Otherwise, at this point, I have rambled on long enough. And over on our website, Farm com. you will find a link there to our podcast and our live journal so if you want more information i can tell you that uh, 2023 is going to be the start of my passion for helping to encourage and enable the consumer to take positive action to help ensure that we're all able to make the choices in where we buy what we buy, including our meat, eggs, and milk. So I thank you all for listening. I really appreciate your time and happy new year to everyone. Have a great day. looking for a great way to work from home or anywhere we do that to help supplement our income and you can learn more about watkins products and our watkins products business opportunity on our website at justgonatural.com this has been watkins products Executive, Independent Executive ID 342198. We invite you to check us out at justgonatural.com.